Welcome to Black Writer Therapy, a podcast where Black women writers are invited to sit on the proverbial couch, have a cup of tea, and share the stories behind the stories, and what it really takes to write books about Black women in an industry that still prefers white as the default. I'm your host, published author and unlicensed therapist, Alishine. Black Writer Therapy is now in session. Cynthia Williams has loved romance novels since reading her first one at the age of 13. It was only natural that she would one day write her own romance. When she isn't writing, Cynthia works in the Midlands of South Carolina and enjoys spending time with her supportive husband and two sons. You can learn more about Cynthia by visiting her website, cynthiawilliams.com. Hi, thank you so much for being on the show, Ms. Cynthia Williams. It is quite an honor to have you, and I am excited to get into this chat we're getting ready to have. Thank you so much, Ella. I appreciate the invite. I'm looking forward to the chat. Um, it's always great to connect with other writers, especially finding out that you're not too far from me, so that's even better. Exactly. And this show is dedicated to Black women writers only. And awesome. I, exactly. I do that because, you know what? I can. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> I do it because I can. So um, I love to ask this question for all of my writers when I get them on. And uh, because I don't think people ask it at all or enough. So, Sanifia, how are you healing today? Today I'm feeling pretty good. Um, it's healing, been, see, that's healing. The thing. Yes, oh, how are see, you listening, healing today? Listening is key. I'm healing. I actually took a nap before this, so I think I'm healing very well. You're that I better than me <laughs> took the time because um, it's been a hectic couple of weeks, mm -hmm. and so um, I was I was trying to do too many things today, and then I finally just said no to one. I felt bad that I had to say no to the thing, and. I was thinking up excuses and then I said, why make an excuse? I, this is a friend of mine. I legitimately cannot do the thing today. So I just text her like, I got to get my life together. I have something at three. I've got something else later. Um, I knew I had to catch up on writing. So I think that's definitely a part of my healing. The fact that I'm just being honest and saying no to the things that I can't do and listening to the fact that if I need to take a break before I do something, take the break. That, my friend, is a lesson we all need to learn, um, and we usually learn it the hard way. Yeah, and it's it's funny how it still feels awkward to just say no sometimes, but, you know, it's very healing to just go ahead and tell the truth instead of trying to come up with an excuse or trying to force yourself into doing something that you won't be able to do. So, yeah, it 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 gets a lot more easy. It gets easier as the more I practice saying no. Yes, it will. Because yeah. no, no is my favorite word. There you go. <laughs> no. And sometimes they hell no. Mm -mm. There you I go. can't. I can't do it. Sorry. I, just, I can't do Why? it. Yeah. I don't want to. When you get to that point where you could be like 100% transparent, why go through that? Now I'm just like, hey, this is what it is. Do you want to exactly. go? How much is the cost? Oh, nope, I can't go. I don't have the money. Right. I just did what I did. And that is not just healing for like my my spiritual self and my like the, my well-being it's healing for my finances it's healing for my relationships it's like that's one of the things i think uh, people don't think about as a healing tool just tell the damn truth tell your 
so much easier to just do it and and <clears throat> I don't know I guess it's the the fear of of hurting someone's feelings or or trying to let them down easy but the lie hurts worse you know if mm -hmm. if I would have lied about the reason why I couldn't do the event today I'm, and then it comes out later mm -hmm. then that hurts my friend more than me just being up front and saying I just don't have the bandwidth I just can't today yeah um, and there's nothing wrong with my reasoning it's the truth it just is what it is I couldn't do it um so yeah I think that's so today I'm healing very well um, and, being and able I to promise do that. you you will you will like get to the point Samithia where you say no and you don't even think about it you don't yeah. think about coming up with an excuse you don't think about if you hurt someone's feelings you don't think about any of that because at the end of the day you can only hurt what is allowed to be hurt mm. and that's not your your bag to carry. Right. Very true. So I'm happy you're healing in that way today. And uh, we're going to encourage more people to heal in the truth. Very, All right. Very good. I'm, I'm going to borrow that, okay? It's probably going to become a sticker. Heal <laughs> in the truth, inspired by Cynthia Williams, because that's a great way to heal. That is a great way to heal. And I love stickers. So I oh. encourage you to do that. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be a part of your first season. Hopefully it's the first of many, many more to come. I, I, I feel so. I feel so. So I like to go into this next segment um, with just a little definition. Um, it's called intentional writing. And I use the medical definition of that word which means the healing process of a wound. Because I'm a firm believer that I don't care what Black women are writing, if they're writing it on a sticky note, there's healing in it. Because I think that's just our nature. Those of us who write, there's always a bomb in there. Mm -hmm. Like I, I read your book and <laughs> I have so many notes and there's just one part that's in there and I am just like stewing in my juices <laughs> mad okay so mad and I'm just like why did you do that there why <laughs> which which book is it oh my gosh <laughs> okay so I um I asked you what's the most cathartic book you've ever written and you said careless careless whispers Sorry. yes Yes. I love the title, by the way. I absolutely love the cover. It is so pretty. And then this is book three. Yes. You know what I love about it? What's that? Them. That's what I love about it. Mm -hmm. All that chocolate. Yes. <laughs> and, and and here's the beautiful thing about this book and, and them, right? She is not extra anything. He is not extra anything. These are normal people I could walk on the street and see them. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing intimidating about him if a man picked up this book and wanted to read it. Correct. And there's nothing intimidating about her if a, you know, when a woman picks it up and you're like, oh, she's a pretty girl. Yes. He's a good looking dude. And that's all you say. You don't say all the crazy stuff you see on most romance. Look, I'll tell you the God's honest truth. I didn't know Black women were still writing. Mm, we're out I, there. I know that's crazy yep. right and that sometimes I feel crazy saying it but you know honest over here 
I had no idea Black women were still pretty. And when I say write, Black women were still writing, I mean writing stuff that I vibe with. Mm. Because I I saw what was in the bookstores and and I yes. saw what's being pushed, um, you know, through through the machine. But I didn't see the stuff like that I fell in love with back in the nineties. And yeah. or, you know what I'm saying? Like I know that, exactly what you're saying. Like yeah. black women's fiction. I just want to read about normal normal black folk doing normal things or abnormal black folks doing abnormal things. That but, part exactly and but no i did not i could not um yeah we're we're so, out here and the machine doesn't push us the bookstores don't push us but we're out here and once you find us we are happy to connect you to others because we want all of us at least me and my the the circle i'm surrounded with we all yeah. want others to shine because just it's not competition we're That's all trying thing. to do the same thing and and you're not going to stop reading another author's book just because you found my book no, <laughs> now you just have two authors or more that you can read. Exactly, and that's the thing. I don't. I never. Yeah, it's it's the reason why I kind of it's why I started writing. Sorry if I'm jumping ahead or, or no. Why... Go ahead. It's, mm-hmm. We're in the int- yeah, we're, we're in, in it. We're intentional in intentional writing. It's right. Yeah, we're in it. It's one of the reasons why I started because I've been reading since. Gosh, I've boxcar children or whatever in in school and at reading romances in like when I was 13 years old yeah I loved them still do obviously I write them but uh, <laughs> so I'm that cliche I started writing at 13 and one day knew but it's kind of like what you said um in college I was able to find like the uh, the, the 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 Eric Jerome Dickies or or the um Tony Morrison's and all that I was reading that but when I would go for the romance it was hard for me to find I'm not saying they weren't out there because they were I'm definitely not the first and God hope I won't be the last Mm -hmm. but I could not find them and so my romance reading was mostly historicals because I didn't want to read contemporary because they didn't look like me they weren't doing the stuff that I do they weren't doing like the life that I live Mm -hmm. um and then when I found um some I found some interracial romances which are great because it's a black female but then I'm in a I'm I'm not in an interracial relationship um all of my friends are, are black couples and I just wanted to write what I was seeing and what was mm-hmm. around me. Yeah. Um, not because I thought no one else is doing this, but it's just like, I just want to write my story. And then if I did find them, a lot of times they're set in New York or Atlanta, big city, I'm yep. a country girl from, you know, South Carolina. And so yes. I wanted to write that. Um, and so when I first started, I would just say it was like spicy Southern romance because that was my thing to let people know I'm not, I'm not a New Yorker. I'm not Uh a a big city girl. I'm not writing big city stories. Um, They may go to a big city or maybe set in a big city, but they're coming back. Yeah. (laughs) The majority of my books I've written over 25 romance women's fiction novels. Oh my God. Yeah. What? yeah wait I'm no you're not lot. just look you're not just gonna say that and then go back <laughs> to and I always come back home no ma'am you've written over 25 yes in in how many like what how how what's the time frame here because I am like freaking out 
<laughs> my first book was published in 2012. Um, so it's been a little, it's been, a, oh, it's been 11 years. 11 years. And oh, yes. in 11 years, you've written 25 years. Yes. In 11 years. You've written 25 years. Yes. The, the journey to to be here and I still feel like brand new sometimes and people like Sneethy you, you've been around for long enough to quit saying you're brand new but it's really so don't it just don't. the publishing changes the what I want to write my style changes so I think that's mm-hmm. what makes it always feel new but and that's a good thing really it's what I love is to be able to keep writing stories that are and I've said it before if anybody's ever pulls up one of my old interviews or pulls up anything I may have done in the past I just want to write stories that reflect people that you exactly what you said Ella people who you might run to run into in the street yeah somebody that you may see in your family I don't like perfect characters now I just say I write sexy messy emotional because it's life life is sexy messy and emotional girl um, oh oh you are always. killing it with the stickers here let me write this down <laughs> This is going to be your line, Cynthia <laughs> Williams. Sexy, messy, emotional. Yes. Oh I, my God. That that's what I do now because life is is all of that, and I just wanted to write. They may not be perfect characters, um, but I want you to at least relate to it. If you don't agree with the decisions they made, I don't expect people to agree with the decisions of all my characters. But I would like that at least when I've written it, you understand how they got to that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you would make a completely different decision. And yeah. I've had readers tell me that like, oh, I, I hated that she did that. Or I hated <laughs> that they did this. And But you kept reading though. So that's what I want. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. 25. That's right. I'm just going to say congratulations. Thank you. Uh, that is insane to my brain. <laughs> um, I'm only five years in. And as like really taking this series and pulled out a red, I don't know, file folder. Mm-hmm. And it so thick. And I was like, what is that? Papers are yellow. And I'm just looking at it and pen color changes throughout. And I said, oh my God, this is the first novel I ever wrote. Oh, that's fantastic. Keep it. It's Keep so it. scary. I don't even want to read it. Yes, but it's crazy. So I'm looking at this and I'm just like, and I thought I was doing something. Like I was seriously up in the cafes and it was like, I was in college. I have, it's across the room. I have a, a three ring binder. It has the two handwritten novels that I did in high school, mostly in math class. Cause I hated math. True. Um, I do not want to read them. I know that they are bananas cause <laughs> it was Sanitia. Um, but I'm so happy when I found them. Like, oh, I still have these. And I just remember in high school writing a page and a classmate would be like snatching the page up as soon as I finished it so that they could read the page. Yes. So it's like I couldn't handwrite it fast enough. And gosh, I wish like 17, 18-year-old Sneetha would have really believed in her writing process back girl, then. girl. I thought it was just okay. Oh, it's just a fluke. Oh, it's just a friend. Oh, you know. Um, but as now, forty-three-year-old Sneetha can look back and like, "Hey, girl, that was proof that there was an audience for the stories that you wanted yeah. to tell." Anywho, mm-hmm. I am. Um, you know, I, I just remember like falling in love with the idea of storytelling, and I've changed 
my focus in my English program from literature to writing. So, you know, people say, what are your, your one, you know, your one regret? That's my one regret is not um, getting the MFA because I am too long in the tooth and too short in the, in the thoughts to go. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even try my, my, my undergrad is biology, right? Like science stuff. I biology. question myself all, all the time. Like, what was I thinking in these classes? I was, I was a science nerd. I'm still like geeking out because shark week is coming up <laughs> this Girl. summer. So I'm, I'm still that, that girl. And, and um, and I went into, I thought I wanted to go to medical school, did not, um, ended up doing environmental work, ended up working in government, got my master's in public administration. And so my day job is completely government, non-creative right. kind of thing. <clears throat> and when people find out that I'm a romance writer, because I don't hide it, I used to be, um, I never hid it now that I think about it, um, because I'm not... An, when I was younger, I would read romances. I want to hide the cover or something like that because people like, oh, romance. Yes. Kind of thing. Um, but I never kind of hid that I wrote romance. Sanithia Williams is my name. I did not come up with a pen name because I also mm -hmm. didn't think I would write 25 books later. And somebody like, you, Ella, asked me to be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just kind of, like you said, I got serious about my writing one day and said I wanted to do this. And mm -hmm. I did. And, and so when people find out that I work this full-time job, that I'm, you know, married, got two kids who are now teenagers, they were young when I started, but, you know, people like, how do you do it? And they can't believe, like, I do this kind of type A personality stuff in my day job, and then I go over here and I write these stories about relationships and romance, and it's like, that is kind of part of my healing, too, is that I get to tell those stories and my kids see mommy living her truth. Um, my husband goes with me to writing events and he sees me interacting with writers, readers, and he's like, keep doing it. Um, my family sees it. Um, my colleagues have been nothing but supportive whenever they find mm -hmm. out that I write and they think it's amazing. So that's been good for me. And even when I get the few randos who are like, romance, ha, 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 ha. What about it? Are you not married? Are you not in a relationship? How did you and your partner meet? Right. That is a romance. Whether so one life needs romance. And so romance novels are not just about the sex. Yeah, that's fun. It's great when they're in the books, <laughs> you know, if you're if that's your wheelhouse. But romance is so much more than that. And, and that's what I, I hate yes. about when people have this conception. Because I for a long time thought I was going to write romance. In fact, I thought I was writing romance because my books and my stories tend to center around relationships. Mm -hmm. um, but then I realized I don't really care about the happily ever after. Mm. And according to <laughs> romance writers, <laughs> writers of America, of America yeah. <laughs> um, your romance isn't a romance if there is no happily ever after or happily ever after for now. Mm -hmm. And I realized I don't care about that. I don't care at all. You like um, the romantic elements, but you're telling the relationship story. I, yes. I'm, and mostly not even the relationship story, but the journey that both people or for the, you know, the five or six people, depending if it's polyamorous, who knows, are mm -hmm. taking in this relationship. And so mostly I'm concerned with my characters. Gotcha. And I you know. I love the happy, I am the person, right? Do not 
take me to this movie or make me watch this show where I'm invested in these two people and somebody dies at the end or whatnot. I'm going to throw something at the TV. Life is sad enough already. I just watched the news. I do not need the sadness at the end. Oh my God. Cynthia, are we related? So I think that's why I need the happy forever and happy for now because life is sad, yo. Like there's bad stuff happening. I need a good story and I need it. Um, I need to smile at the end. I, I like that sigh. And sometimes I'll read, um, I write romance, but I don't read a lot of um, contemporary, especially when I'm writing, because I don't right. want it to bleed in exactly. and influence me. So I switch to other genres. And so I get my, you know, healthy dose of oh, reality and sad. <laughs> but it's like, all right, now I need to, let me get back over here and get one of these. You know, but it's not like your books, this book. And and so now that I I read this book, I hate people who say, yeah, come on my show. I don't hate them. I hate what they do. Come on my show. Let's mm-hmm. talk about your book. But they don't read your book. They read the back of the book. No. Yeah. No. If, if yeah. you're going to say yes and dedicate some time to be with me, you can bet your bottom dollar I've read this book and marked it up in my Kindle. Um and and because I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. I appreciate you taking the time to to read the book as well. Oh, it's really good. And I was gonna say to you, um, like I know you write romance and, and there's that HEA at the end. However, your books I would say that there are more women's fiction with romantic elements. And the I've fact yeah, the fact that you you give the happily ever after at the end is a bonus. And but I this doesn't read like romance at all to me. Oh wow. They have to fight to get to it sometimes because um so like in romance and I know the focus is like on the couple but one of the things that I think about when I'm writing a story and and like even when I was writing this morning in that story it was like I need to show this family dynamic and how this family dynamic plays into the character and how that will play out in their relationship moving forward because that does come into play and so it's you kind of, I feel like in my writing, I want to show that fleshed out how the family interacts because that all comes out in your relationship. You know, your how you how you were raised, your thought patterns, your belief systems, all of that will come out in a relationship. And so again, you're not perfect. You're not the perfect and your partner. Isn't perfect. Exactly. And and so you that's what I'm saying. And when I say it doesn't read like romance, I I am not one of these romance hating folks. I will read anything. I really will. Uh-uh. You know, historical romance, I love, um, but I love contemporary romance. I write erotica. So I love dark romance. Like that's yes. probably my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And I I like really, really dark romance. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I play, right? I try not to write the dark stuff. I always end up in the dark. But but I always end up in the dark. But it comes out, it comes out, it's coming to the light. Um, you know, you have to you have to go through that to get there. But when I say it doesn't read like 
romance, I'm going to quantify that with it doesn't read like mainstream uh, formulaic mm. romance. Yeah. And I find that the more Black romance writers that I read who actually write Black romance. Yeah, two Black characters, not Black and something else. You have, um, like I said, when I first was, you know, trying to get back into writing and reading and looking at publishing, the the first things that were pushed to me were the interracial romances, which, mm-hmm. again, I have nothing against, there's nothing wrong with that, and I've, I've read them and I read them, but it's still not the same as, like, the Black hero, the Black heroine, or, you know, our male, male, or female, female, whatever the wheelhouse is, but it's not the same kind of story to me uh-huh. and and I've again I've never been in a interracial relationship and so I just want to I want to show that black people can be happy and that they can wow. find a way to love you know it's not always what you see on tv and I'm just like what narrative are we sending out here and what is it that you're trying to elicit I think it's the belief there is that belief so there's a guy who um he's a colleague and he found out I write romance and all that and then he said so do you what do you write I'm like, I write black romance and he was like so there's no there's no white men in your books no there's, there's no white women no so there's no there's no white people anywhere I mean yeah they exist like there might be a friend <laughs> co-worker you know but no it's he was like, wow. He was just literally, legitimately shocked. Couldn't that, believe that he wasn't in a book. Right. Over 20 books that I've written that not one, one is a biracial man. There, There is, out of all my books, one, he is biracial. His dad's black, his mom is white. Um, love me as I am. And even the truth of biracial southern guy even kind of comes out in the book his the white side of his family even you know how they treat him mm-hmm. but that's the closest I've gotten right yeah. and he was floored and I laugh about it I just think it's amazing that you're surprised that I could write that many books and not have to say gosh darn it let me we throw a white person in there throw a white let me center here. whiteness here Yes. And I've had people say that, like, have you ever thought about writing, you know, with a white guy? And I'm like, yeah, I've thought about it, but I just, that book hasn't bubbled up in me yet. I will not say that never, never will I ever, because who knows, five years from now, that may be the character that fleshes up in me. But for right now, I just want to write, because we're so, we're not all the same. There's so Mm -hmm. many different stories we can tell. Um, And I don't have to, and we've, go outside to write the stories. There are people who do that and who love to do it and who do it fantastically. Yeah. Um, so if that's what you want, that's your wheelhouse, go ahead. I, I don't fault you. But if you come over here, I like writing Black couples and that's what I want to write. So you can be flabbergasted. You can be surprised. You can be, I can't believe you've never put, um, but you will be a side character. You you can be the heroine's co-worker slash coffee right. friend, but right. you will not be her love interest in the current books that I'm writing. I love that you said all of that. I'm so serious. <laughs> because, yeah, it's like the, the next segment, right? Um, the audacity of Black writers. That's where we talk about the publishing industry, but it's, it's I haven't even thought about, in all honesty, 
um, how like just everyday people and you say, oh yeah, I'm a writer. And, and they say, oh, what do you write? You tell them and you're like, uh, oh, do you, and he was bold because most white folk aren't going to ask you that way. Like, Oh, they're very comfortable asking me. They, it's just ridiculous to some, and maybe it's because I just work in government and whatever. Okay, but, and, and I have those that, are the ones you work with. I have the face, but it's just, um, and I, I still don't, laugh about it. Like I don't know. have that face apparently because I can, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. Like you know, I was uh, I was in Massachusetts at the at the end of May. My daughter graduated from Mount Holyoke, so. We're sitting here. Thank you so much. We were sitting, waiting, like for the graduation thing to start, and this couple sits beside us, mm -hmm. um, older, and so I, of course, like yes, I'm a writer, and I, I carry my phone around where I carry a QR code, so you can just click and get into all of my business, and um, just like you write seven erotica I said yes oh my god I love seven fiction so and I love erotica I'm glad you put it together and it was really like surreal mm -hmm. and she said will I be able to relate to this yes, and I said will. I don't know because I don't know what your lived experiences are I mean will I find people who look like me in the book no she was like I don't know if I could read that. I said, then don't. And which one was like? It's so weird. Like, like why do you, do you treat us like, like we're so, so damn different? And that's, again, that's why I write what I write because we live, we fall in love, we go through trauma, we heal, all the same stuff. We can watch mainstream white TV shows, movies, read the books. We never stop to say, oh, am I going to relate to the story because there's white people in it? Mm -hmm. But we get that so much with our stories. And I don't understand it. That's why, that's part of the reason I started this podcast because I was like, I want to know if other Black women writers, like how are you all dealing with this kind of white-centric, Every, I mean, it's everywhere. Like it's not just in publishing. And, and you all still like, thrive and and you're doing the damn thing and I'm like how is this happening it's not easy <clears throat> we, and... we cannot talk about this okay right i'm now. sorry we're gonna oh my god we got put a pin in that okay okay <laughs> i go off on tangents my bad <laughs> you and me both obviously okay i'm gonna let me let me hydrate okay yes we're back to intentional writing and now we're going to discuss your book okay are you ready i believe so because because we were going into boy i can't i'm all i'm like shoot forget intentional writing i'm ready <laughs> to get into uh we can we can dive into you put the link to the book in the show notes or something <laughs> really i will not i will not i will not god i but i'm i'm jonesing to get there We'll make that, this part quick. We'll, we'll, we'll do good with this. We'll do quick on this. Tell me, Cindy, why mm -hmm. is this your most cathartic book? Um, so when I was writing, well, when I started the series, um, and because book one, for those who, you know, aren't familiar, is the younger sister comes home and she realized she's still in love with her older sister's ex-husband which I knew from the start that was going to have some people like, 
torches and pitchforks. But book one worked <laughs> out. Hey, I like start reviews, all that other kind of stuff. But I knew from the start I wanted to write Elena's story as well. Um, and it would have been easy to make Elena a bitch. I'm sorry, I'm supposed to curse or whatever. It's fine. No, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> it would have been easy to make Elena a bitch and everybody hate her so that everybody was cool with the baby sister and why her ex-husband would fall in love with the baby sister and all that jazz. But I felt like that would have been an easy way out. Right. Um, and so with Elena, she has so much pressure on her mm-hmm. to be the head of the family. Um, she's the oldest child. She's the one who's been groomed to take over the family business. And she's been heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Um, you see through the book that she was young and reckless. She made a mistake and that's why she ended up getting married, but it was also kind of forced upon yes. her yes. to clean up her mess. Oh, you run around with this little boy who is not up to our standards and getting pregnant and our family has status, clean us up, get married, right? Um, and so that's kind of how she ended up where she was. It was a clean us up, get married. And it was horrible and it turned out. And, and so... I wanted to write the story of, because we're the angry Black woman, um, we're the bitch, but I wanted to write, what does it really look like on the side of that angry Black woman? You know, so... I'm mad at you. Stop. Stop. Wait. (laughs) Wait. Wait a minute. So you, Mm -hmm. a Black woman writer, Mm -hmm. said, I'm going to write a book using the angry Black woman trope. But, but then I'm going to show you where that comes from. Exactly. Because in in book one, I don't think, when people read book one, it's not that I got hate on Elena. It was more of, you know, they couldn't tell, they, they didn't know if they really liked her. Hannah's abra- Elena's abrasive. Um, she drinks heavily. She's, you know, she's that person. You see her come and it's like, oh, here she comes. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I felt um, like that for a good bit of this book, too. Yeah, it was the oh, here she comes. Yeah. Um, and what was amazing and what I loved was for readers who like started with book one and got to book three, when they finally got to Elena's story and saw her through one and two, because you see her a little softer in two, but not as much. But when they finally see behind it in three, most of the readers have said, This is the favorite book in the series. Mm-hmm. And when I was writing it, I was even thinking, Oh, I hope y'all like her because she can be a bitch. She still says some stuff that, you know, people may not like. <laughs> she'll get on one every now and again. Yeah, so. she still goes off on a um Elena, self-destructive, whatever. But then that's also true. Um, And even, I'm trying to tell it without doing too much spoilers, even when she goes to try to process her own healing um, through whether it's therapy or whatnot, Elena's not fully, quote unquote, healed at the end no love has not saved Elena right and thank you thank you for that right I appreciate it <laughs> love has opened Elena up to a different thought process love mm-hmm. has opened Elena up to being vulnerable love has filled a part of her life that she didn't know she may have even wanted mm-hmm. but it didn't heal her from her her demons um it it helped her be able to be more honest to communicate with her family members to try to heal those relationships a little bit. But Elena's still Elena. 
um, she's just found love and she's on a path to try to do better and acknowledge where she makes mistakes. And so that's kind of what I wanted was to show, you know, sometimes the strong Black woman, the angry Black woman, there's a lot of stuff behind that. And it was good to kind of write that story out. Those and it was hard to pick what's the most cathartic because I write other characters where it's like the female character is not perfect. Right. But I write that because I want to show that even if we are not perfect, there's maybe reasons behind that. Um, yeah. And that they're still deserving of of love and um, respect and appreciation. Yeah. You did such a beautiful job because again, I was not like into her um at all I I was just like what is really going on but I can't find any of my notes because this is my day <laughs> this is my day okay yeah like I'm looking at the scene where her dad had fired her mm. and oh okay before I even go on what's up with daddy Oh, Grant is horrible. Um, I hate him. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say hate so that it's not so, you know, oh, I hate him. Why? Yeah. Like, and Grant I'm going to tell you, this, these, he pushed all my buttons. Oh, he, oh gosh. And from uh, throughout the whole series, he's a master of manipulation. Um, so when I, the series is an ode to my love of soap operas. <laughs> I was like, Black Victor Newman, right? Girl. Like, <laughs> Oh my God. Now I'm, I don't look at soap operas anymore, but you know, back in the day I used to yes. look at soap operas and that is so, you know what? That's exactly what I was doing. Um, and even, and maybe this is more in the audacity of black writers, but I, I was, um, when I was thinking of this whole series, I was like, I want to write like a black Dallas, like a black young and restless, like yes. rich yes. black people in the South, yes. messy, you know, on the soap opera, Secrets, the baby nonsense. sister take her sister husband all the time, but you still watch soap opera. Exactly. So I'm like, I'm going to put it in a book and I'm going to make you understand the reasons why even if you still don't like it you know kind of thing um but that's what it was. I wanted to write um because I um I write good fathers I write bad fathers I write good mothers I write bad mothers and throughout my books or series but Grant is a manipulative father and I loathe him in his stuff in his way he thinks he is doing this for Elena's own good not realizing the harm that he has inflicted on her in the past and that this is just further inflicting harm upon her um i feel is, like in some way yeah. i feel like in some way grant grant knows okay my kid is not happy my kid is not mm -hmm. healthy my kid is not whole like and i think that he is not a stupid man no he's so, not he may be emotionally stunted, but not emotionally like underdeveloped. Well, that's stunted, isn't it? I don't know. I just feel like he knows and he realizes. I think he's justifying it by saying that, oh no, I'm doing this so that she can become X, Y, and Z and and blah, 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 blah. I know what's best for her. Like this woman is a grown ass woman, like a whole grown ass woman. I'm and just like- You've already manipulated her life when she was younger. You, and you made think, a child get married. 
yeah you know because you 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 bring that up so like when you said the first book I'm like oh okay so we get all that backstory yeah like the backstory the books one and two provide the backstory for for this and so talking about the all the things the working parts right because when I write a series I want them to be able to read standalone because everybody doesn't always start from the beginning and go through or whatnot Mm -hmm. you make you know pick up whatever book and start so I want you to be able to stand alone understand that story but if you do read the whole series there's connections but I don't like to go back and like retell everything that happened in book one either right right I don't I don't need I don't want to do all that so but yeah it is that whole long history and I had to explain that in book one to so people can understand why Elena and Travis got married in the first place anyway but do um, you plan like are you like a serious planner now I am um but how do you do it still not as great as I want to be oh my god tell me because look look at my face I am a discovery writer (laughs) I am a discovery writer it like so the series that I'm working on now um where book one comes out this August August 2023 for future listeners of the podcast okay August 15th 2023 yep but for your, like, when you're on the air five years from now and the people are going back listening to this, I want them to, you know. I hear you. That, that's me so, putting that you. into existence. August 15th, 2023 yep. is when the first book of Samethia's new series, new series my Peach comes Street out. Cove. It's, it's Peach Street Cove. Yeah, it's another fake Southern town that I've made. <laughs> but it's Southern Georgia. So when I started this series, um, and I'm working on book three in that series right now. I, I start off with the the three, because this one is like two friends and a cousin or something like that. I, I kind of know what I want to happen in each book. Um, and I kind of will map it out. But my biggest thing with series is making sure I remember who are, who are all these characters that I made up, right? Because right, they may right. have different circles around them. Um, and so I do kind of keep a sheet with all of the names of the characters, all the character locations. Then I transfer that, start using a plotter, a software that tells me all of that stuff so I can keep it all together on my computer. Do you um, mind sharing the software? Plotter, P-L-O-T-T-R, I think, plotter. Um, and I use that to create my outlines for my stories too. But what happens is, is writers know characters do whatever the hell they want to sometimes. Yeah. So I'll mess up and say, oh, this character has children in book two and and I'm writing book one. And then when I get to book two, I'm like, they don't have kids. This don't make sense. I, so now I got to remember to go back and delete the kids from book one. <laughs> that's, that's where I mess up. It's like, Sanitia doesn't stick to her own damn script. Like, <laughs> I've mapped out this world, Sanitia, and now you want to be like, you don't want children, take them out. Kind See, of thing. And that is but, my problem with like, I can't, I cannot, I, I tried, I, I I took a little tiny workshop and they were talking about uh, beats and mm-hmm. scenes and I was so confused. I had no idea oh, I love what it. they were talking about. And so, I love it. okay, good. You got three minutes. Educate me on beats and scenes. So beats, the way I, I got beats from a book called Save the Cat, right? Um, and it's like you have certain heartbeats that's the word for that happened in a movie so if you think about like your favorite movie 
good versus evil fight you have a certain flow that you meet the hero like say star wars you meet luke skywalker you learn about oh help me luke i need all this so then he decides to go on the journey to help the princess and then he meets this group of characters and now he's in the new world Those and are then, your heartbeats. right and then he fights the the evil people and then they win or lose right and it's like and so now and the, it was written for screenwriters but a lot of novelists have adapted the same kind of heartbeat or the same kind of beat structure and they have different variations on it but it basically gives you these are kind of the the things that usually happen as you go through a story almost like that climax rise in action stuff that they yes. teach you in school it's the same thing but it's just broken down even further um okay, and so, because it sounds a lot like the hero's journey that i used yes. to teach yeah and so like i'm like i know that you put them together it's like you have the hero's journey which focuses on the character development and then the save the cat plot is more like the plot plot so what are the plot structures and so i mash that together because i've sat through those hero's journey classes it's like what's the character's journey but then also it for me as a writer it helps me with that whole middle you know how you want the book to start and you know how you want it to end but it's that middle part right that helps me like what are some things that need to kind of happen that can help me get to the end so for me it helps me as a guidebook but I still may not follow it I think it helps me with pacing Mm -hmm. um you can go as I've gone as far and I've seen people use it I don't use it anymore of if you have a book that's 50,000 words what where should you be based off your your word count like you can get you can get that deep and I'm like that person right and so so sometimes that helps but then the other thing and I I have a book behind me called um story trump structure (laughs) because the other thing too is to not get so caught up in that that you don't let the story just evolve either um and so it's it's finding that that balance between and, the two and see i have a i don't have a book that says that but i have this thought in my head that says my character's story trumps structure yeah because i am character focused and i keep trying to figure out a way to plot plan do all the things that writers and workshops say this is going to make sure you're writing you know and you're pacing and all the things all the arcs are where they need to be and but my characters they're like this is how I want you to tell it just like this so I listen that's what the readers readers care about the characters the reader may not care the reader doesn't care if that in a 50,000 word book, you haven't hit the climax of the story at 25,000 words, the reader don't care because they're invested in the character kind yeah. of things. So that's why I say for me, especially because I'm on deadlines, like I'm a, I have to write on deadlines. I write on contract. I work. Um, I have to plot out the book ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And I even will create plot boards, all of that, because my writing is very focused. It is very, I need to write a, a thousand words a day or 1500 words today like I and so I don't want to sit and think well what am I going to write about yeah and then I'm wasting time so if I have a plot board and it's like chapter 13 and I'm like in chapter 13 
I wanted to touch on this. I wanted to address this thing. Okay. Then I can break down, take a little time earlier in the day and say, all right, chapter 13, they go to an ice cream parlor. They talk about her past and mm-hmm. fight the evil villain, right? When I sit uh-huh. down to write, I already know what's going to happen and I'm not wasting, in my mind, wasting time. Like, so what am I going to do next? No, this is what happens next. This is why it's important to the story. So when I set my timer for 15, 20 minutes and I do nothing but write, that's all I'm focused on. Oh, okay. You know what? I like that. The efficiency so, of it, it. Right. It helps me because I've, I'm, I've tried pantsing and I can pants my way halfway through a story. Yeah. And then I'm like, nah, chick, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta plot out the rest of it. You you need to know where you're going. And the characters may do something different. My stories never match mm-hmm. my outline. Okay. Um, they may hit some of the high points, but for me, it just helps me stay on task. Okay, you know what? I like that because if I'm um I, everything that I've heard about plotting and planning out your novels, it sounds like going to prison. <laughs> it sounds like I can't putting, understand that. Yeah. putting my characters and and their experiences and their voices in prison and I was like I cannot I cannot I'm too pretty to go to prison I can't do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and so but the way like you're saying no when you have a system in place it's going to help you become more efficient yeah. and Yes, yes. Now that I'm into because I have my hands in 15 different pots right now. Yeah, it's it's the efficiency for me because I, and that's why even I will, I always outline the scene before I write it. I have pieces of paper all over the house where I've been just sitting watching TV and I'm like, I know I got to write, I outline the scene. I can outline a scene and write the scene 30 minutes later and it doesn't match what I outlined. The outline is just to say, this needs to happen mm-hmm. right now but when i write it out elena's gonna say something different than what i wrote on this plot because elena's she's in the, the scene right right she's gonna be slick at the mouth and grant's supposed to do this according to my outline but grant's gonna do what he wants to do anyway he's so what asshole. needs to happen <laughs> Look at me. happens right my commentary because he's an asshole because he is so that's how I view it. You know it needs to happen. They need to have this fight. And I want it to happen this way. But when I put those two together, the fight going to look completely different. So, so, the, so don't don't feel like you're constrained to what you plotted or what you outlined. Just focus more on what am I trying to, what's the outcome of this scene? I know they need to do this. They need to talk about this or they need to hash this out or they need to get it on. But when you start writing, the characters do what they do. So the the main point still happens, but it may not. It'll happen the way it flows. Okay, so it's not so much the how of it, but the what. Right. This is what needs to happen, and how yes. it happens. You can jot down some little hey da 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 da, but how it happens really comes in with the writing. Yep. Cynthia Williams, I uh, give you the award for. <laughs> The best explanation <laughs> of planning heartbeats and outlines and storyboards and all the cool things you talked about, because honestly, um, I'm just like, I, I'm not here for it. What you're not going to do is put my, my people in prison. 
Let my people go. Let my people go. I completely understand. Yes. (laughs) And I've never thought about I've I know that's how I do it. And so I've never really kind of explained it out. So thank you very much for letting me even flesh out how my process uses those tools, but I don't, I'm not married to them. Yeah. I'm really big on metacognition. And because again, I taught for 14 years and I was just, I'd always tell my kids, so ask your question. You don't know how you're going to answer it. Talk, think, talk, think, right? So tell me what you're thinking. Because learning that process of how you think makes what you think, I guess, easier to process. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Because I'm always like, I don't know what I can tell. I don't know how I can help other writers. So again, I feel like I'm just in the trenches. And like, I'm still new. But, you know, sometimes but now you know. process makes me know. Now yeah. you know how you can help other writers. Because I'm telling you, like, that makes more sense. So you could have like a from cancer to plotter workshop and, and <laughs> break it down yeah here's yes. all the tools I didn't create the tools these are tools you can use but make it your own yeah yeah I I, I still come to it because you know this is the I put you on the spot version <laughs> so wink wink hint hint not not I'm looking forward to that workshop I will now have a sheet of paper outlining a workshop idea that I need to pitch to someone yeah I think so Thank you very much. Anytime. Um, Okay. So what else did I want? Who else got some healing in this book for you? Who else? And and so we know that Elena had like a manipulative father who basically controlled every aspect of her life and tried desperately to to do so even into adulthood. and so what would you say she was healing from? Um, I, she was definitely healing from beliefs that were instilled in her as a young adult, childhood and young adult beliefs. Um, and she was healing from the need to be perfect. So she was trying to emulate her mother. And her mother is, you know, is deceased. But her mother put her in like a, some pretty shitty situations too. Her mother was the one who said, um, because I love my husband and I'm sick and cannot be there for him, it's okay for him to have to have affairs. Right. And never let love make you so weak and jealous that you miss the main point of what you're trying to achieve. And so Elena internalized that and thought love was a weakness. So it was overcoming the but she also believed her mom was perfect. Her mom was a, a perfect businesswoman, a perfect um, hostess. Elena stepped into her mother's role of being the family hostess, of having the elaborate parties, of running, helping her father run the corporation. And if her mother did it and could do it, then she should be able to do it too. So right. it was healing from that and realizing, which a lot of us have to do. We have these thought processes and these belief systems that have been put into our brains because we saw it growing up and they may or may not necessarily be true and again that can come out to play in your relationships not just romantic but friendships or things like Mm -hmm. that and so it's recognizing when those belief systems are holding you back okay and so she had to heal from that okay and i think if i only had one word to say, to name Elena's wound, mm. I, I would say expectation. Mm, yes. 
And when I when I think about expectations, I'm like that can go both ways. And so I guess this is why this book kind of I resonated with like the family's expectations of her. Yes. Um, because like your family will either expect everything from you or nothing. Right? You're either going to be at all, yes, or you're going to be absolutely nothing and you're going to make the family shame. And you don't have to come from a wealthy black southern family to to have your family treat you this mm -hmm. way. And so I think the the concept of healing from that, like that wound of expectation, and then you married that with the angry black woman. And and the, what is it? I think they called her hard several yeah. times. That kind of hard, almost um, masculine exterior. Yeah, and unapproachable. Not you know. The, I love the word expectation. Like they see her come, and it's like, oh, Elena's going to give us a hard time, and Elena sees on their face. Yes, that they don't want to deal with me and so she instead of hey what's going on you know trying to address she just further hardens that outer shell because it's easier to be angry than it is to be hurt yes I always used to tell my daughters that if you jump to anger immediately I want you to count to 10 take some breath and ask yourself am I angry or did this person hurt my feelings right that's a good tip the expectations and the healing from that and even healing from like just low expectations mm -hmm. from your family I think that even having the low expectations will bring on that kind of superwoman mentality because you're so busy trying to prove to them that you would become something you will accomplish what was healed in you in this book did you tell me that already um it was, I think it's also some of the expectations, because that's why I said I really like that word. Um, in me, it was writing a story, taking someone who's viewed, you know, bitchy or cold and making them human. Um, mm -hmm. Because I put, like none of the characters are me like I'm not that but you know you put a little bit of like some of your thought processes or emotions or things you may have dealt with and like you sprinkle them through different characters mm -hmm. kind of thing and so I think that was what was healed in me the the telling a story I was scared to tell um expecting people to probably hate it mm -hmm. because she was not the typical perfect romance heroine mm -hmm. um but saying I'm gonna do it anyway because this is my story right so I'm not gonna worry so much about the expectations or if people don't like it because I want to write her story and I want oh. to do that and then seeing that my that because people do like the story the like I said harking back to the whole 17 18 year old Sneathia, there is a place where my story is out there because every time I think it's going to be a story people are going to hate because I'm like this ain't what, I, what people would normally get right I don't write like x person or I don't write like these people 
this is what I write. But when people still like it, it's like, sneaky, there's a place for your story. So, yeah. And I, I think that's the it. most important part of, of healing. There's a place for you. Yes. And you are enough. What you produce is enough. And like, I don't want to call it validation because I don't think you need validation. Simply knowing that that who you are and what you produce is enough. There's, you don't have there's to There's nothing like wrong with else. it. Yes. Nothing, nothing wrong with it. Don't be ashamed of it. Like it took me forever to be able to say, yes, I write Southern erotic women's fiction. I would not tell anyone that I wrote erotica. And that is why I have a pen name today because I would not tell anyone. My daughters were, you know, I was still teaching. Um, was I teaching? No, I was playing around. My No, my daughters were still in school mm. here, right? At, in District 2. And, and I was like, I cannot have my name out there under erotica because my kids are in school. And, and the people I worked with for 14 years are, are there. And there are a lot of, uh, you know, my daughter calls them the, the Baptist, Black, and Bougie people that I used to be mm, really close yeah. to. And so they wouldn't really get that. I don't know why, but, you know, anywho. No, I, I completely know what you're talking about. And yeah, I get it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and, and, it's, and my it, it's dirty. I love dirty stuff. I love dirty talking. I I don't curse very well, and like like for me, I think I sound like kind of a white soccer mom, and so I don't curse really well. And I want to be able to do that because I like I love people who can curse really well, and it sounds like music. Like that's lyrically off. Yeah, yes. <laughs> like I'm like, oh girl, you did that. I love it. I can't do it. Like, so, you know, I stick to like small words. So yeah, you get lots of dirty words and all the things. My writing has changed and grown so much because I've changed and grown so much. Yeah. It doesn't so do stay you, the same. Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you find that as you grow, like mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and all the ways that we grow and, and you have different experiences in life, like how does that peter into your writing? Um, I see it in the, cause I still love romance. Mm -hmm. Um, the women's fiction was challenging for me. Um, especially the second book, the essence of perfection, Ooh, even though it has a romantic element in it, it was, it was just, it was difficult to just, um, it was something new, something different, but I did it and, and readers loved it. And so it just made me want to further, you know, try different genres, mm -hmm. do something else. Um, because I, I was afraid to do it. I did it and, and it turned out okay. Um, Isn't that weird? Like the thing that scares you most and then you do it and you're like, wait, that wasn't, it was like, oh, but it wasn't like, oh. Yeah. And I forgot who first said it. I don't know where I first heard it, but I've used it now. Um, writing is hard because you want it to be good. And that's mm -hmm. what I realized when the books are really hard is because I'm trying extra hard to make the story good. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so my writing has evolved over time because I really you know, my first couple of books was just ideas that had been popping around forever and I just had to write them. And then my other books had to be a little bit more thought out because uh, contracts or whatnot. <laughs> um, 
but the emotional part is always the hardest part for me mm-hmm. um where my first draft is very heavy on dialogue a little bit of what's happening and then that's it and then my other drafts I have to layer in the emotions yeah. I have to layer in what this what's the meaning and now it's a little bit easier to put that in there and I think that was because I wasn't really even in tune with my own emotions right I was yep. I'm very, I was very closed off on, oh, you're crying, they're there, good, you know, all, you know, I don't do emotions, Um, and so writing was a place where I could deal with emotions, and I could Mm -hmm. put emotions in books, and I could flesh it out, Um, now, so it's a little bit easier as I, as I write now, and I think about a little bit more, so I remember Forbidden Promises when my editor first gave me my edits back, every other line it felt like how does this feel mm-hmm. what 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 is this what does this feel like and I was like this hurts like you're making me pull out like how this feels yeah. for the character but it was good because now as I write I'm thinking how does this feel like <laughs> they've said this to this person and this is this is a big deal like that's to hear that and so that's now kind of how I think and process through some of some of the stuff that I write. I feel like I rambled. Did I answer your question? I hope so. You <laughs> yeah. did. You did. Okay, and good. so yeah, I like to like, okay, so what I heard was <laughs> my listening <laughs> skills here. What I heard was uh that it heals there's some healing. No, I don't even know what I asked. So you know what? <laughs> there was some um, healing and processing emotion, my look, own, you know, being um, in tune with all of that and recognizing all of that kudos <laughs> I, I think i asked something about oh growth and 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 all yes. that stuff and yes you answered it and yes you as you grow emotionally that's what you said mm-hmm. then you're fine it's easier to put the emotionality into your writing which is also intentional and healing i mm-hmm. think because yeah i think a lot of writers may be not a lot i don't know but depending on on like you know, all the other factors, being kind of emotionally safe. I don't like to say it's closed off because I think it's just protection. So Mm -hmm. being emotionally protective, right? And and then having to write with emotion, I wouldn't imagine would be an easy thing to do. It's not, especially, oh, 2020 was the hardest year ever to write in Foolish Hearts, the book after Keller's Whispers, I wrote in the heart of lockdown pandemic, and I threw everything but the kitchen sink in that book. Um, but a pandemic book, that's a yeah. I wrote a book during the pandemic, but it it is hard to shut off. So if you're having a horrible day, but then you have to write a happy scene to to tap into that, or you're having a great day, but you got to write a sad scene you know, to be able to tap into that and to make it feel authentic to the reader. Yeah. You almost, you kind of have to be in touch with what does that feel like so yes. that you can express that on the page. And so you have to kind of almost feel it to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm saying it's like not you as you're not putting yourself in the character, but you have to put that feeling. If I can just find the one right. that I want to read to you that made me cry. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. It's uh it's on page um 
259. When I was younger, my granddad, my granddad worked on a tobacco farm mm. down in Mullins, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And when I would go down for the summer, when I was a little girl, he'd take me with him sometimes because I begged. Go, <laughs> <laughs> daddy, please. <laughs> and he could never say no, right? And so he'd take me. And I just, I have this really strong memory mm -hmm. of how big the leaves are. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought about, you know, you think about that when you look at a cigarette, it's like, how do big leaves get into the <laughs> cigarette, yeah. right? Because my mom used to smoke. And I remember the smell. Mm -hmm. It was so sweet. And I'm like, why do cigarettes stink so bad? This smells great. Yeah. And I just, he like, I'd get sleepy and he would just kind of roll me up in a little week or two uh -huh. so that I could go to sleep and stay cool. And I just remember smelling that tobacco and being with my granddad. And, and I was like, oh my God, this is my memory. <laughs> And then when and when she shared that with Alice and she took him to that land, her ancestral yeah. land, and shared that really sweet, special moment, right, with yeah. him. And I was like, the people who loved her, the people who cared for her, who knew that she was more than enough. Mm -hmm. aren't there anymore and when you don't have that anchor and you don't have like that system that's going to hold you and and love you even in spite of and not simply because of then yeah I could see like you you did such a good job like a thank great you. job thank you great you get job. lost thank you thank you making it like okay I I get it like this we don't have excuses here. What we have is reality and, and the trauma that this woman has endured without having a soft space to land. She hasn't had a soft space to land. That was, I want, when I wrote that scene, I wanted to show not just her being vulnerable, but her being strong enough to let somebody else see that and to bring somebody else into that space. Yeah, because vulnerability is a strength. I, I don't paint it as a weakness. When right. you are, a, when you give yourself permission to be vulnerable, that means that you have a strength, right? You've grown in your strength. And that's like, yep. you know, you, oh man, you did it. High five. Air Thank five. you. Air five. Air five across yep. the zoom. <laughs> like you did amazingly well. And I was like, okay, it helped me so much to not think. At first, I was like, I didn't like her, obviously. But then I, like, Grant, I was like, oh, wait, he's, yeah, he's, he's an asshole. And yeah. I can see why she is like she is, kind of, sort of, like, yeah. you know? But then it's like the more I read the book, a little bit listened to the book on my, on my Kindle when I was, you know, working in my, in yeah. my new craft room, girl, in my new craft room. Um, and so I, I was just like, yeah, but her growth arc is beautiful. Yeah, thank you. So I know if Plotter helped you with, what is it, Plotter? I didn't have Plotter when I was writing this one, but yeah, it's, it was 
Okay, so look at going you. through her journey and making sure I hit the highlights of what what are the things that need to happen that shows Elena going from the person on page one to the person at the end. I would love to see the beat. Yeah, these are the things that kind of need to happen. Yeah, you did beautifully, and Alex. Oh my God! So of course I'm looking back on the on the cover, right? Because I'm seeing and mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure this out. Does he really look like are you? Just I try to give you enough to kind of let you know what it is but I don't yeah I, I'm not the writer that says oh he looked like a young Denzel Washington no I don't want to put that in your head because no. you may not like a young Denzel Washington I personally am not a Denzel fangirl I'm a fan of his acting but I'm not, but not like his a, looks like I don't know why people yeah act like he's so great right <laughs> so I never put that in there because I don't want anybody I might put my yum is your yuck. I don't want to put that in the right. books. I try to give my you enough to visualize. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm making, look, these stickers are just for you. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, you gave me enough. And I wasn't like, I, I wasn't like bowled over by, oh, he is, you know, broad chest and mm. perfect this and perfect that. But he, I think you made me fall for his personality. I want it. She's so hard and can be abrasive that I I didn't want to I didn't want two heads budding right he had to have his own um he became her safe earlier she didn't have that soft place to go to he became that oh my one god my, girl you did it one of my favorite scenes was she was talking about her parents in the car and he was just like that was fucked up you know and he's like I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that she's like no no one's ever said that and it's true it's yes. true it was and then he hugged her like it wasn't a kiss it wasn't anything else it was just the fact that that he hugged her and she yeah. hadn't just been hugged on purpose in such a long time Ooh, kind of thing girl so oh, hugged on purpose yeah it's you know you get the oh have perfunctory hug and you know that yes. kind of stuff but it's but different than the, the the and so those Ooh. were the things that I wanted to show with him that no, he's not weak in the fact that he's just gonna let Elena, you know, run all over him. But he also recognizes that there's a reason why she does this stuff, and I don't have to throw um throw gasoline on her fire. Yeah, yeah, because he's compassionate, and yes. that I'm, there's nothing sexier in a man than compassion. Yes, and he's and very... we don't see that in black male characters not, sometimes not even in the romance in black romance yeah but, yeah like, you don't see where this black man has compassion for the for the love for his you know for the love interest it's a lot of times in different stories it can be the that he he's just a fighter he wants to protect her and whatnot and i love an alpha asshole sometimes i want to read Girl, that yes mm -hmm. you know that's great mm -hmm. and especially in the cage drama i fall in love with alpha asshole all the time but okay. <laughs> but in real life i don't want the asshole in real no. life i want the safe space to go to and the safe space can still be strong but when it's my space it's, you know when compassion. I just need that safety yeah. and that compassion. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh my God. And the first, the first time they were like sexually together. Can't find it because my life, you know. Oh yeah, I can't even when that was, but yeah. I love that. I love that. He gave. Put her to bed. Yeah. <laughs> because like, okay, thank you, sir. Thank you yeah. for that. I appreciate that little old 
and see you later. Yep. Have, why why have did a good he do night. that? Why yeah. why was that important that he took care of her in that way while not allowing himself to be taken care of? Well, the book opens with, you know, Elena, you know, having a oh, I'm believing in rainbows and fairy tales again, maybe. I'm mm -hmm. reconnecting with my old love and then mm -hmm. he's 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 a jerk. Um, so you kind of see her not being taken care of right. at the beginning in a um, relationship that she thought was something different, but actually it was just sex and trying to get something just from sex, her. Yeah. Um, and so with in this one, it was him realizing what she may need right now, but it's also not all about me. Like, I'm just, I want to give her something that she needs, but also not push her into doing something that she's not she doesn't have to do she's not ready to give or she's not in the space for kind of thing which again is part of that whole compassion thing yeah of, he yeah he saw what she couldn't even see within herself like yeah. you need someone to give without the expectation of receiving yep so hmm. it's it's elena in this book, I just wanted her to be taken care of where some of her needs were put first because she always, people think that she's putting her stuff on the fir first, but it's mostly she's putting the business and the family right. first and not yeah. necessarily her. Right. And I what she that. needs. Even great. with his, his family, they were the opposite of her family in mm -hmm. the warm and welcoming mm -hmm. in the we want to have you around. We're going to give and you a hug. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not that. a hugger. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I hate when people come to my house because I'm a hugger. I'm like, I meet you one time, girl. We're hugging it out. We are hugging see, it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm Elena. I'm like, oh, I don't automatically hug. So I, it's okay. going to be awkward. But okay. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. But I love that. I love Alex for her. And so I'm I'm thanking you for, for writing him because um, he was not perfect either. No, and that's important. They just your characters, and I hate the word just because it makes it sound like I am like you know downplaying. No, I know what, you what you're doing, but your characters are just so hate the word relatable because you know <laughs> your characters feel like my neighbor, like just uh. people I I see all the time. Now, that's, thank you that's what I want when I write some novels are written to do that like they're the thought pieces like we're trying to make you feel some deep thing and come to this whatever realization right. that's not my intent so I'm always surprised and then appreciative when people have those moments because I'm just trying to to write a good story and be real and write something that you can relate to yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when things I've heard like it made me think about men in a different way it made me view um, my brother-in-law differently mm -hmm. or you know this really made me realize I need to open up and then you know or this part made me cry or whatnot it, it always I'm like oh wow thank you so much for letting me give that to you that was not my intent and mm -hmm. I just am amazed that that happens with, with readers brings me back to the medical definition of the word intentions Mm. the healing process of a wound and I am a thousand percent convinced that whether or not 
we are trying to, whether or not it is a, a plot situation, right? We were writing this into our plot. There is something about reading Black women writers' work that is always healing. There's something that loosened up a little bit yeah. after reading this. And, and so that's why it's, again, important to hear the story behind the stories, to hear all of it and, and, and put it out there. So I am so happy that we got to discuss. Thank you. Me too. Careless Whispers. I'm so glad that I had a chance to discover Miss Anethea Williams. We are going to take a little break, pay some bills, and then I'm going to come back to the segment for uh, the audacity of Black women writers. Okay, we're back. That's Anethea Williams, romance author, 25,000 books. <laughs> 25, just 25. <laughs> 25. Yeah, 25 books. And we're moving into the next segment um, of the audacity of Black women writers to thrive in an industry that is completely hell-bent on staying white-centered. <laughs> and <laughs> I know, I look, I, why? I don't understand. Um, but yes, so that's what this segment is about. How is it that you um, have had such a successful career in the publishing industry and when it is like so far white? that we can't even like see it going anywhere else. And even though they have DEI initiatives, like they did it in the seventies, they had a good push in um, the late nineties, early two thousands. And of course, uh, post George Floyd, they are now on their little DEI push yet again. And so how do you have longevity? How do you, maneuver and move within this system i want all the deets again uh there's no magic wand and successful i appreciate that but then there's other people who i consider way more successful than me as black writers and i think all of us end up having that those moments of frustration because um you know when i like some white readers don't want to read our books they see it and they're like black person I don't know if I can relate to that I don't know if I can get into that story we don't get the same push um, publicity wise as some of the other books right now bookstores are nothing but what's hot on TikTok and it's like the same people over and over again and that's not to hate on those writers but it just is what it is it's just easier to go with what they know is already sold because there's a risk that we won't um I did not believe there was a place for my stories when I first started. I now know Mm -hmm. that there is. And so I think I wish I would have followed that from the start. So I kind of just approached my career as a, well, let's see what happens. And I've just been very fortunate. I do not have the horror story of an editor telling me to make somebody white. I don't have the horror story of somebody telling me I need to write something different. The closest to horror story is my first agent. We just did not jive. I don't think she liked my heroines very much but even that we ended and I just pivoted um so I think it's being willing to pivot I also Mm -hmm. think from my perspective right I've always worked in white spaces Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, when I did environmental stuff, there was not a lot of the black women in the nope. environmental sectors that I was still in. not, still, still not. not. The work that I do, I was just at a work conference for a day job. There's like a handful of us black mm-hmm. women in these positions. Um, so I worked a lot in white spaces. So I don't take the inherent foolishness of being in white spaces personally, right? Um, because it's just, it is what it is. And if I sit and worry too much about um, how they're not treating me fairly, then I'm not going to focus on writing my next book. Right. And so that's how I've kind of thrived. RWA, the Romance Writers of America, was not a perfect organization, but I took advantage of what I could get from RWA, okay. which is the same thing I do in my day job. Um, and I think that's <laughs> the space that may not be developed for me, but I'm sure it's going to take advantage of what I can get out of that space while I'm there. Oh my God. Okay. Um, and that's what I did. I went to workshops and I took what I needed from the workshops. I, I entered contests and I took what I needed from the contests. Yeah. Um, I, I found, I wrote the stories I wanted. I didn't think anybody was going to buy Forbidden Promises, the first book in Jackson Falls. I'm like, it's a black Dallas and she's falling in love with her sister, ex-husband. Ain't nobody going to write. And it's black people. They ain't going to do this. Right. A white woman can write this all day long, but they ain't going to take my book. But I'm going to write it anyway. And I had a, a good writer friend, Sarissa Glass. We were walking on the beach at one of our retreats. And um, no, I'm talking to Katie on the beach. And then later, Sarissa, I was saying, I can't think of anything that's that the publishers want, you know, that's high level, whatever. And I told her my Black Dallas story. She's like, bitch, that is high level. Stop. I love Don't that. Do it yourself. Again. Right? <laughs> bitch, that is high level. Right? You, want that, you want that on the sticker? Right. It's true. Okay. It's like, and so, and that's the other good thing about I she say surviving in it is finding the people who will support you because I could have easily said nobody wants this black story I can't think of anything high level and somebody mm-hmm. else could have told me girl you right they don't want your black story because it's low level all the black stories right. Know. right they don't want that that ain't good ew don't do that change it you need to make it more white you know I could have had somebody who did that to me but yes. I didn't I had somebody else push me to say no that is do it do it anyway and I sold it and so I think that's that's the only way you can thrive. It's going to suck. You are going to have an editor leave. You may have the line closed down. You may not sell the book that you want to sell, but it's realizing that you can't take the subjective nature of this industry personally yeah. and take what you can from those white spaces and use it to your advantage. Don't say I don't. Um, don't say I don't belong. It's what I tell my boys. If you are there, you were invited for a reason. Mm-hmm. So if I, if my publisher invites me to a thing, I was there for a reason. I don't care if I'm the only one. Um, or if they decided to publish my book, they published it for a reason. If it's because they want to have a, a black quota, get more black people over it, guess what? I don't care. I'm about to take advantage of all the stuff I can get from exactly. being the black person over there. Because if I take advantage of it, I will do well. And hopefully that will open the door for the next black person that's coming behind me. Um, and I will never tout and say I'm the only, I'm the I'm the main one or anything like that. But I will say if you are there, take what you can from it, use it to your advantage, and hopefully pay the way for the next person to be able to do the same. Like, and if you're going to go into the publishing industry, you have to have your your, your team, your, your group. You do. 
you have to it's it's hard enough out here the writer like Yasmin I know she's been on your podcast that you know we ended up just because I found her she was in Columbia she like tagged me on Twitter one day and and we just started talking and it's worked out because it's so hard out here you're sitting down you're writing the story and there are so many people who want to tear you down black and white so there's people who will try to tear it down and those are not the people that you bring into your writer circle right you say no it's not but give it a try and maybe you'll like it but um that's what I think it takes to strive you cannot take it personal it's gonna suck you're gonna be mad you're gonna hear the stuff you know I remember some review that came through and maybe it's because it's you know southern and black and I just couldn't get into it you know what well then you just couldn't get into it and it pisses me off but I will never change that one mm-hmm. white reviewer's mind so why am I gonna focus on that white reviewer and I'm just gonna find the people who do like my stories and, and try to them. try to keep giving them the stories that they like yeah I'll, I'll admit my book that comes out in August, a part of me is like, what if it sucks and everybody hates it? Well, guess what? What if it doesn't? And it's fine. But even if it does suck and everybody hates it, I will find the next story to write and I'll yeah. find the next person. And yeah, it may suck. I'm going to drink some wine, eat some chocolate, cry on my husband's shoulder, get into my, I will not get on Twitter and TikTok, but I'll go into the group chat and say, this is some bullshit, you yes. know, but <laughs> yeah, I'll do all of that. But then I will write dust myself off and what's my next thing you know right so that resiliency is something that I I think is imperative yeah know who you can vent to um and know what needs to be vented in the group chat or even in person because their screenshots exist okay Um, yeah we'll keep your seat so I think that goes back to surround yourself with the right people in your writing circle and Mm -hmm. that's the hard part I think because writing is such a solitary thing in the first place yeah which right. is, I, I was like, I went to writer groups again, like I said, RWA had their problems, but the local chapters, I found people locally. I did other writing groups. Um, I did online stuff. I went to writers conferences. It kind of helped me try to find, and people came in and out of my life over my career. Everybody wasn't, I won't say like a wrong fit, but you know, they just came in and out just depending yeah. on where it was in my career until I finally found the right click and niche to where I realized even over the pandemic like I'm zooming with them once a week with different people and I'm talking to them and we're chatting about other stuff so it takes time sometimes to find it but when you find the people who support you and will tell you the truth and be honest with you then those are the people that you stick with yeah yeah I think so okay I love that you have given a lot of good advice to me thank you very much um for real for real and to other aspiring writers who will be listening to this, like I will definitely make this a soundbite. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, it's good stuff. Like I, again, I don't think people know what they know until they're asked what they know. Well, yeah, I agree with that. Because people ask me for advice. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I just kind of, I feel like I just kind of got here, but I'm part of my healing is realizing that some of this is the hard work I put in and the lessons that I've learned and it's not just a fluke so let me acknowledge that too amen sister <laughs> look I'm sorry it's late <laughs> my medication's wearing off okay and so we have to uh we have to play the game you remember the game yeah I tried to re I'm not tried I did reread the instructions beforehand but we okay. chatted so much you might have to remind me Okay. Say a word, and then I'm supposed to come up with like 
an anecdotal story, like real quick, a personal anecdotal story. And um, it will fall under hashtag bookish, hashtag writing while black, or hashtag um, writer's life. Writer's life, writing while black are bookish. Okay. Yes. And all of the words, um, though, come from the letter's story. So it's time to tell the whole story, Cynthia. Let's get started. Okay. Your first word is sexy. Um, sexy, messy, emotional. I came up with that um, tagline for my books when I sat through a virtual writer's workshop and they were talking about branding and narrowing down the type of stories you write to three words. Mm -hmm. And so when I look back over my backlist and everything that I put together, I realized that words that kept coming up were things like sexy, um, messy, and <laughs> And there, and I felt like they were emotional. So I do think I don't write erotica, but I think I do write sexy stories. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, your stories are sexy, and I think a lot of people equate sex with, like, you know, bow chicka bow wow. The same thing. Yeah. Sex and erotica are like synonymous for a lot of people. A which lot is of so people. ridiculous because erotica has nothing to do with sex unless you want it to. Right. Um, I mean, but that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah, your 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 writing is very sexy because, I mean, I okay, you know why I was sexy. Yeah. Let's, just, <laughs> let's just and it, what hashtag are we going on here? Writer's life. Writer's life. Your next word is trustworthy. Trustworthy. Um. So trustworthy would probably be like the group of writer friends that I have. Um, we originally called ourselves the Destin Divas, even the though what? our next Destin Divas. Okay, we... I thought you said Destin Divas. I no, like... not Destin. <laughs> what you... We met. We our first retreat was in Destin, Florida. Okay. And then we um, we're not going to be in Destin this year, but after the pandemic or whatnot. But trustworthy was we realized when we came together, we was we're we're being honest with each other, the good, the bad, the ugly in publishing. And there mm -hmm. had to be trust with that. And so everybody was a little hesitant, but now six, seven years later, um, we've realized that everybody in that group and we've narrowed it down to such a tight group that we know everybody in there is trustworthy, which makes it a lot easier when I talked about having that tribe, that group of being able to say what I really feel and them being able to say what they really feel and knowing that I can trust them yeah. with that feeling, which makes it so great when um, you're in this book life, this book world, and you may not have a place to go, mm. um, go to, so that's my anecdotal story and I guess that would be under writer's life again hashtag writer's life sure or writing while black writing while black that's better yes <laughs> yes I look I'm just sitting here and I'm going to definitely I'm like writing down what am I going to write on my this is what I desire board that yeah that's what I desire because that's so important I love that um, your next word is other. Other. Um, so I go back to uh, my first RWA conference in New York. 
and I hadn't didn't have the Destined Divas group, and I was still trying to meet up with everybody. And I remember sitting at a table by my at, with I was the only black lady at the table because I'm used to being othered at conferences, mm-hmm. you know. And so I've learned to be like, I don't care. I'm just gonna go sit at the table, whatever. Um, and the lady came up and she's like, Hey, blah blah blah. And I'm like, with Sneethy Williams from South Carolina. She's like, Oh, I can tell by your accent. And she was kind of catty and bitchy. Um, well, every time I go to New, every time I go to New York, somebody asks me where I'm from because so I guess I sound really southern <laughs> when I'm not in a southern place. I don't know. Okay. But so I I say that because. I could have let that ruin that conference and I could have let that ruin that occasion, but it did not. I had a great conversation with other ladies at the table. Um, and then I still, like I said, got what I needed from the conference mm-hmm. and met up with other great people. So don't let the fear of people trying to other you Ooh, yeah. um, push you out of spaces because you belong there. You paid the same money they paid to be at this conference or you were invited to be at this workshop or wherever it is. So, and people will try to other you and make you feel like you're not supposed to be there but don't fall into that don't let that yeah that's a bitchy thing to do but don't let that ruin you don't let that ruin the event because you deserve to be there too and that's what I took from that and now I'm just used to being like yeah whatever helpful and just go on with my day and talk to (laughs) (laughs) hashtag writing wild black there you go (laughs) whatever that's another sticker for you your sticker pack is gonna be great oh put those all over my laptop covered with stickers <laughs> yeah i really because i'm like this is yours i'm not going to put these for sale because these are your things but yeah <laughs> um i mean unless you let me not the yeah i think not none the, of them are copyrighted I don't think but I not threw. the messy not the sexy messy emotional because that's your tagline that's my but, tagline everything else is just stuff that's popped out of my head yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm like i'm having such a good time talking with i know i gotta let you go which i'm kind of sad about oh dag nabbit okay we're on art um reality check reality check um when Hamani romance closed um it was Hmm. a reality check because it was the only blind 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 (laughs) the only line dedicated for black stories at harlequin at the time Mm -hmm. and it was hard for black authors to go to the other lines at harlequin so when kamani closed it was very scary because it was a reality check that these publishers will do whatever they want to do and it's the yeah. fear of do they even want black stories anymore where is it gonna happen you can try another line they may not want you um those reality checks will come when you're writing especially in the traditional market also reality check that some people don't want to read my stories because they're traditionally published they only trust indie black romance um that's a reality check for whatever reason there is but it's me saying that um I write the stories that I write because I like them and I think I write stories that are resonant to the people who read them and so if they shut down the line if they say we don't want to touch it because it's traditionally published um if they say that you know it's too black or not black enough Mm -hmm. you're gonna get those that's that's reality you will never be everything for all people oh your last one and I'm doing this especially for you Mm -hmm. yuck and yum yuck I love it yuck I do not like 
young adult romance at all. <laughs> it's my yuck. I don't have a personal issue with teenagers. I just hate reading them in books. The decisions <laughs> they make, the stuff they do, it's a yuck. Um, so I might read it, but I'm going to probably complain halfway through the book. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yum. Yum is sci-fi, space stuff, oh, people, yes. magic. Yes. Somebody give me a black wizard and I will give you all my money. Oh, uh, my. <laughs> oh, my. So you're I a fantasy sci-fi. Like... I am. I just finished a sci-fi. It was a new adult. They were 20. They weren't teenagers. Fourth Wing. Oh, my God. Um, loved it. But um, not necessarily not a black um fantasy but that's why i need somebody to give me a black wizard but that's my yum i love it i i will eat that crap like candy and just be lost in magic um but yum yay give me the fantasy all day long hashtag book life i love it i love it you did great no but you did great i really enjoyed uh enjoyed your your anecdotal stories thank you most of them were were followed up with and this is how it's going to be advice I just absolutely you gave me like a million sound bites so awesome thank you thank you thank you thank you oh, I don't want to let you go I know Ella will definitely have to invite me back one day again and let's definitely try to you know Panera hook up um, when yeah. our schedules settle down or whatnot yeah. but this has been really fun thank you yeah so much fun well, okay, I'm not a licensed therapist. However, um, you know, I'm unlicensed and you've been on my virtual couch and I would be remiss if I let you leave the session without giving you homework. All right. So your homework is to tell me um, who's the next Black woman writer I need to have on this virtual therapy couch. Oh gosh, that could be almost all of the Destin Divas. Um, I think I uh, one I mentioned was Sharice Hodges. Um, I still can't believe I'm friends with her because she was the writer I looked up to when I first started writing. Um, and then Kiana Alexander, who's writing. Um, currently, she has a, a black lesbian series out, um, which is doing really well. And she's a Carolina writer. She's in North Carolina. Okay. So there's there's so many out there um historical fiction you've got piper hughley and i've Vanessa. got piper already yes yes I'm, and i was like oh my god like what in the world I, Prepare, yeah. that's gonna be great piper is great she looks and she's great. funny she looked like and that's the thing like i'm just like looking at her stuff and i'm like she looks like she's she's here for a good time that's yeah it. yeah <laughs> she's great yeah. I, okay. I do i do love piper yeah so yeah, she's one of the Destinies too. So yeah. Is she really? Yes. Okay. So wait, who else did you say? I got Sharice. Kiana Alexander. Kiana Alexander. Hyper. Vanessa Riley. Right. I got Vanessa Riley. Yes. Publisher. Yeah, they reached out to me. I thought that was insane. Yeah. Farrah Rashawn is great. Um, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna forget names sharon cooper sharon c cooper um she's a great been she's indie and traditional published sharon is so smart she knows so much stuff about 
publishing. I, I'll text her and just ask her random questions sometimes. So she's a good one too. Okay. Well, make sure you tell all these people um, that I'm, they're going to be hearing from me um, and they're going to receive invitations to the Black Writer Therapy Podcast and probably for season two. Um, and my last question for you is, would you be willing to come back and do a group therapy session with some of the other Black women writers that I've had on season one's Yes, I would be willing to do that. So yes. definitely reach out and let me know. That's awesome. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to say, yeah, no, I can't end yet because you need to tell the listeners how to get in touch with you or what you're working on next, anything you want them to know. Definitely they can um, follow me on my website, SanithiaWilliams.com. Um, I am most active on, well, I used to be really active on Twitter, but not as much, but everywhere, Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Sanithia W, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, my TikTok is mostly K-pop, K-drama, and just random foolishness. So if you like that, book stuff is sprinkled in. Um, I'm on Facebook at Sanithia R. Williams. And my next book, The Secret to a Southern Wedding, comes out August of this year. Uh, it's another sexy, messy Southern book. It's about a woman who finds out her mother is engaged after her mom vowed off men when her dad's mistress tried to kill her previously. She's coming to stop the wedding only to fall for her potential uh, father-in-law's son. So, yeah, that's a lot, but... That's what will be out this summer. So if you're looking for some more you sexy, messy, messy. foolishness. Like for real, for real messy. <laughs> like that is some messy, messy Southern stuff right there. Then check that out. Thank you, Thank you so, so much. much. Look, I have to look at you this time. Thank you so much. Thank for you. Coming. It's for I real. Enjoy it. the rest of your weekend. Same to you. All, All right. right. All right. Great meeting you. Good meeting you too. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me for this session of Black Writer Therapy. Be sure to follow and leave a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And keep the conversations going on Instagram using our hashtag Black Writer Therapy. I'm your host and unlicensed therapist, Alishan, reminding you to be kindest to yourself first, always and in all ways. See you guys next week. Bye.